Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In 2020, the Edenville Dam on Wixom Lake collapsed, forcing 10,000 people to evacuate from Midland, Gladwin, and Saginaw counties. And it was breaking news, dam failure on Wixom Lake. We were like, oh my goodness, the cottage is safe now. But we know where all that water is going. It's going to Midland, where we had two other houses. Three years later, has anything changed? And how have the people responded to this disaster? I'm Brian Fisher, and this is The Daily J. The Edenville Hydroelectric Dam on Wixom Lake, originally built in 1924, was bought by Boyce Hydro in 2004. In 2018, after multiple violations, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission revoked Boyce Hydro's license. This meant the oversight of Boyce Hydro and the dam fell on the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy, also known as EGLE. Despite this, substantial improvements were never made to it. Then, on May 19, 2020, 100 years of neglect and a particularly heavy rainfall caused the Edenville Dam to collapse, sending the contents of Wixom Lake down the Titabawassee River, overwhelming the Sanford Dam in the process, flooding many towns, including Midland. So we still had our home in Midland and then a cottage on Wixom Lake about 25 minutes, a half hour north of there. And then my brother and his wife still lived in Midland as well. So we had three homes in the affected area. And when I was actually in the scene when it all happened i was in beaverton at the cottage with my uncle because we were in the process of putting the toxin for the summer and the water levels on wixom lake were just getting noticeably high that day so we're in the process of putting sandbags out to try to prevent the water from coming all the way up to the home area and then brian i'm not even kidding when i tell you it was like water going out of the bathtub when all of a sudden we saw the levels of the water just go way down and relatively quick, all things considered. But we didn't know at the time what was happening. And so sure enough, we turned on the TV and the news and it was breaking news, dam failure on Wixom Lake, evacuate emergency situation. And we were like, oh my goodness, the cottage is safe now from the water. But we know where all that water is going. It's going to Midland, where we had two other houses, my brother's house and my parents' house, where everyone was being evacuated from. That was the voice of Jake Reitma. He is a broadcaster with 97 won the ticket and a Midland native. He was there that fateful day when the dam broke, and he details the devastation the Midland community saw. The basement at my parents' house flooded pretty badly, and a lot of the surrounding homes had it far worse than what we did. So... It was really just a difficult scene to drive through Midland a couple days later and just see all of the devastation. You know, I had friends whose houses were completely gone, like un- unsavable. And then even in, in Sanford and the surrounding communities, just 
hearing the stories of, of how people lost everything. And nowadays with, with social media, there was a lot of pictures, a lot of video footage, and it really was just chilling and almost, you know, overwhelming to, to see the amount of devastation in your home. As awful as the damage from the flood was, where water levels completely overtook some buildings and roadways, miraculously, no one died. And Jake believes the disaster did have a silver lining. That moment really felt like a time for people to come together and rally together, which I'll never forget, you know, helping helping neighbors, um, having neighbors help us. It was a tragedy that turned into a an experience that I'll never forget in the sense that Midland, Sanford, Beaverton and the surrounding areas really came together after those days to rebuild and really just reconnect with one another as a community. Understandably, with the loss of homes, businesses, and personal possessions, many people felt anger and wished to point blame for the dam's failure. To this point, over 25 lawsuits have been filed against Boyce Hydro, the state, and even the federal government. The next voice you will hear is of WWJ legal analyst Charlie Langton, and he explains what these lawsuits hope to achieve. What they're trying to get is the value of their land. Some people, their homes were destroyed. Their land was gone. They were on a, a, a lake. Now it's, it's gone. They want the value of their home. Now, interestingly, can they get pain and suffering? Probably not. But again, that's going to be another whole area of, uh, of probably dispute. But the basic, if you just took the loss of the land, it's just we're into the millions of dollars. Uh, and uh, that's really what the plaintiffs want, to be made whole because of the arguable, and I'll say for, you know, for lack of argument here, uh, general, the negligence of the various entities, government, state, federal, etc. But like with any lawsuit, the resolution for the plaintiffs probably won't be quick. Ben Johnson, who was the attorney who handled a lot of these, represented a lot of the property owners, he basically brought cases in the state courts originally, and he brought them under a couple of different theories. One of them was that the government should have done more to prevent the flooding. That's one. And then the other kind of theory is something called inverse condemnation, which basically says that failing to allow the dams to do what they did or not constructing the dams and then water flooded everything was actually the government taking property without compensation. It's a very difficult legal theory. That part is still viable. However, there are cases now we are waiting for a court of appeals decision on the a couple of different issues, the immunity issue and some of this uh, condemnation issue. So we're not quite done, but the, the, this court of appeals should make a ruling probably within the next couple of days or maybe even a couple of weeks. And I think that that will pave the way for the future in litigation. While some residents take action looking for someone to blame, Jake believes what's done is done. I got really into almost unfolding the events that led up to this. And then I almost had a, a moment where I just realized that that doesn't that didn't really do any good for me mentally. And just in terms of dealing with the situation, I just felt like pointing blame and I guess, for lack of a better term, almost ratting out the people responsible, it wasn't going to bring the lake back. And so mm -hmm. mentally, I just kind of got to the point where 
there's an element of acceptance and okay, you know, this is, this is the reality of the situation. Now it's about how do we move forward? How do we move on from this in the moment? You know, three years ago, sure, there was a lot of anger. Three years later, now you look back at the situation and the reality is that things could have been done differently to prevent it, but they weren't. And here we are left with without a lake at, at Wixom Lake, without Sanford Lake, and thousands and thousands of people were negatively impacted. But for those who are suing, is there an end in sight to these lawsuits? Charlie thinks it could still be years before they end. Well, I do think there will be an end in sight. I don't know when. I don't know. This is a, we're waiting on a court of appeals decision. As you mentioned, there's another federal lawsuit filed with federal violations. So I do think it's going to take a little while. If the parties can agree on what the legal theories are, uh, then we go into the issue of who pays. Although governmental immunity has been dismissed from this case, they're going to have to come up with money from somewhere. So we have the court figuring out where to go from there. And then I think we're going to have to have the legislature involved. I mean, not unlike Flint. So uh, I think the lawyers are going to, once that opinion comes out from the Court of Appeals, we'll go to the Supreme Court. And then I think probably within the next year or so, to be honest, I think we'll probably get some definitive answer as far as the legalities and the road to the legal issues. I think it's going to take a while, at least a year, if not more. And it's probably going to involve both the court's and the legislature. What about the dams themselves? How soon will we see the restoration of Wixom and Sanford, as well as Secord and Smallwood, whose dams also saw damage that day? Four Lakes Task Force, the nonprofit in charge of rebuilding the dams, says the final dam, which is Edenville, where it all began, should be completed in 2026. But Jake isn't holding out hope. I know that the literature is out there and the, the plans are in place to bring back Wixom Lake and bring back the other, you know, Sanford Lake and the other lakes that were impacted by it. But I'm almost at that point where until I see it, I don't know if I can necessarily believe it. And it's the last thing I want to do is get my hopes up that, you know, it's going to be back to normal and we're going to restore Wixom Lake and it'll be like there never was a flood. And then for those expectations to, to fall short. So I'm kind of keeping an uh, arm's length and, we actually still discuss pretty regularly, my family and I, of what our plans are for that cottage on Wixom Lake. Because right now, you just don't really get the use out of it without there being a lake there. So I'm of the mindset that I'm kind of ready to, you know, make some moves to possibly, you know, move on from the cottage on Wixom Lake. Because until that lake is restored, there's really, really no use for it. 10,000 people were forced to evacuate when Edenville failed and Wixom Lake drained down the Titabawassee River. Three years later, progress for everyone, from lawsuits to restoration, is slow, but it is taking place. Thanks to Jake Reepma and Charlie Langton for lending their expertise and experiences to this episode. And as always, this episode wouldn't be possible without WWJ's digital team. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Make sure you don't miss out on new episodes of The Daily J by subscribing using the Odyssey app or get it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brian Fisher, and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening.